Welcome back to the DSO Decision, episode nine here. I am your host, Brian Hanks. I'm joined with uh, by, by my co-host, David Cohen. David, hello. Nice to see, well, I was going to say nice to see everyone. Nice to, to be on here and hopefully everyone's listening because I think this is going to be great. I love podcasts, the format here. Um, just as a reminder to folks, we're getting into uh, the money discussion. We're going to give you some intelligent questions to ask if you get pitched by DSO, if your buddy on a golf course is bragging about a sale to a DSO, we're going to give you some intelligent questions to ask here. Uh, we're going to take about 20 minutes to do it. And, and as a reminder for folks, um, you, one of the things you'll notice about this podcast is uh, there was no advertisement before you jumped in. There was no p- sponsor. Uh, David and I weren't pitching a product. Uh, and so, you know, our goal here is to keep this episode informational. Of course, we'd love it if you look us up and you want to do business with us sometime in the future, but that's not the goal. The goal is simply to give you information. Um, and, if that is something that you find helpful, that you find valuable, one of the ways uh, that you can uh, say thank you is to jump on to iTunes or some other platform and rate the podcast. It helps other people find it. A second way to be uh, to show some gratitude uh, for the format here is just to uh, send this episode to a friend, send, send it to a buddy, post it on social media. If you could help spread the word, we'd appreciate it. Uh, so with that, David, let's get into um, my hypothetical scenario of Dr. Singh sitting at a table, sitting at a steak dinner, getting pitched on a DSO and hearing about equity post-sale. We talked about the two types of equity. There's the equity in your practice that you retain. There's this equity possibly in a DSO that could make me millions of dollars. And um, and we're going to talk about, we've, we've talked about the percentage of people who actually see that uh second or third check for millions of dollars. And I'd like to know, um, you know, as you as the attorney, as you're advising your clients on what's a good deal, what's a bad deal, what are some of the first, maybe actually talk about the documents that this is contained in, where would I see this in the documents? And then after we talk through the the documents, let's talk through some of the, the candid conversations that you have with your clients around this topic. Yeah. So as far as the documentation is concerned, typically the doctor is going to get some sort of um, document called a subscription agreement. A subscription agreement or some variation of that um, is going to be provided to the doctor. And the subscription agreement is going to say that the doctor is subscribing and that they're obtaining equity interests in the DSO. And so that's sort of a key document for the doctors to look at. Sometimes that subscription agreement is very basic and doesn't have a whole lot that would be controversial or anything like that. It's really just essentially saying that, you know, they're an accredited investor and they are um, subscribing to blank amount of membership units in in the DSO's uh, LLC. Sometimes that subscription agreement actually will have terms that are important and relate to that doctor's rights with respect to their ownership. So it's really important to have legal review of the subscription agreement um, because, well, it's really important to have legal review of all the agreements, but the subscription agreement is not something to always gloss over just because sometimes it contains really key information. Um, And that subscription agreement usually is accompanied by an operating agreement. And the operating agreement is the document that governs the operations of the DSO. And so 
when the doctor gets the subscription agreement, well, great, they can now, they're subscribing to the equity that they're getting, but how do they know what they're getting? The way that they know what they're getting is the operational agree- operating agreement, um, which governs the operational aspects of, of the entity. It's going to talk about, you know, how, how decisions are made. Uh, it's going to talk about getting out of the deal, how the, how the doctor could transfer their interests in the deal um, and so forth. And it's going to govern all the rights of the doctor in the deal. So um, it's really important to have those documents reviewed because sometimes the DSO doesn't give you the operating agreement. Um, mm-hmm. You have to ask for it. And it is, and, and they find it to be sort of like proprietary and, you know, it's, it, it can be, it's a little weird because you would think how could a doctor subscribe to something where they don't even have the operating agreement to review what they're even subscribing to. Um, and so, you know, as a lawyer, we're always pushing to see that operating agreement so that the doctor can actually see what their rights are. And again, sometimes all the rights are governed in the operating agreement. And sometimes it's kind of a fusion of, you know, the subscription agreement and the, the operating agreement. So those are okay. kind of the two key documents that, um, with respect to subscribing to the equity that the doctor is going to see. So first question is to my attorney, Hey, have you seen the subscription agreement yet? There's going to be a yes or no. And, and you may have some discussion around that. And then the second question my, that I'm going to ask is, is there an operating agreement separate from the subscription agreement and have you seen it yet? Okay. Exactly. Uh, and I mean, th- you would think that there would have to be an operating agreement. Um, so it's more about have you seen it yet? And then as an attorney, yeah. it, it's something that it always has to be requested because it's not just all, just given automatically in a DSO deal, usually. Yeah. Uh, okay. So this is where I think we can add a ton of value to dentists because my business slash, you know, legally aware brain goes a hundred places here. And I don't know that the average dentist can, they're not dumb, right? They just don't have the experience to know some of the intelligent questions to ask here. So what might be in the operating agreement that a dentist would care about? I'm thinking about um, valuing the membership interest or the stock. I'm thinking about how they can cash in, when they can cash in. I like what you said about transferring. I have to admit, I forgot that was an option before you said that. I'm like, oh yeah, of course. Like, I own something of value. I should be able to transfer it or sell it. Um, okay, so um, maybe can we go, man, I'm going to ask you to rank them. Like what's most important in that operating agreement to ask about? And then let's kind of go down the list of what else should be in there and what, what other questions should we be asking? So what's the number one most important thing in that operating agreement? Yeah, so I always see it as there are three phases to every deal. There's getting in operating through and getting out. And so if I'm going to talk about what I think is the most important thing in the operating agreement for the doctor, it's typically how do you get out of the deal? You know, yeah. you've, you've gotten in, um, you had your subscription agreement or you, you know, whatever like-minded document you're going to have to get into the deal. Um, and then you're in the deal. So you got the operating agreement that governs the operations, but how do you get out? And that's really key because what's the point of having stock if you can't get out, you can't sell it. Um, you know, so it's really important for the doctor to understand how you get out of the deal. And most, yeah, but David, you and I sat down, we had a steak dinner. You said you're going to sell to a private equity group for 50 times, whatever. Uh, so 
the way I get out is you're going to make me rich and it should happen in the next few years. And you're saying not, not so fast. What does that well, actually sound like? Thinking, Getting yeah, out, so that, that would be one way out of the deal, right? Is everyone gets out because they sell, right? To a, th- to in, in a recapitalization yeah. yep. event. Um, but the first thing that I will say is almost every operating room in the industry is going to say that the doctor is not permitted to transfer their interest. Um, so they, unless the document, uh, I'm sorry, unless the operating agreement says otherwise, and typically it's never going to let a doctor just because they want to transfer it to some other doctor or their friend or, you know, or whoever it may be. Um, or I get divorced or I die or I'm in prison or you know, right, I'm about to go bankrupt. I need something of value to sell. Okay. Yep. That, well, that that's an exception. Um, and, you know, you'll kind of look at what the operating okay. agreement says with respect to death or disability or how that works. Mm-hmm. Usually those okay. will trigger a repurchase. So the way that I would look at this just to kind of keep it sort of organized for the doctor is there are really three ways out of the deal. Um, okay. Number one, I'll just kind of give a note and say that you're not typically able to just transfer it if you want to or if you feel like it, right? But number one would be that um, the DSO repurchases your interest, your stock, and buys you out. Number two is going to be the DSO engages in a recapitalization event and um, flips, as we've been talking about in the prior podcast that we just did, um, flips it to another buyer and then you get to sell some or all of your interest in that. Um, Number three would be what we call a put option where you as a doctor would have the ability to say, I want to sell and you have to buy me out, which is extraordinarily rare. Um, But on occasion, a doctor can get in a deal. So those are kind of the three ways out of a deal. Doesn't mean that every single... DSO deal has those three ways out, but those are the three ways out that we will see um, across the board. Okay. So number one is just kidding, Dr. Singh. We don't want to, we don't want you to own part of our DSO. We're going to buy back your shares. Okay. Number two is, yep. I sold to my Goldman Sachs private equity hedge funds, you know, guy in, in Connecticut. And we're all getting filthy rich. So here's your check and you don't own any more of the DSO anymore. And then number three is the doctor actually comes to the DSO and this was the put option. And they say, uh, buy me out. I'm done. There's something happening in life. You got to fix this for me. Correct. That's exactly right. Got it. Okay. All right. Uh, So an intelligent question here would be, what are my ways out of the deal? And now, you know, three of the most common ways which of the the menu let's look at option one, because I think this is really important. Most doctors assume there's gotta be some fair way to value my shares in the deal. So my next question as the accountant slash valuation guy is who's valuing the shares. How does that work? Yeah. So if we're talking about a repurchase of the shares where the DSO buys the doctor, typically it's going to be done at quote unquote fair market value. But who determines the fair market value? And it is typically the DSO that determines the fair market value. And so the first uh, thing you would say to that is, well, how is that fair? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that there's, there's obviously a solid argument there. But if you think about it, no one knows the value like the DSO. 
Um, it's, you know, the DSO valuation world is kind of the wild west. And so, I mean, if you said, Hey, look, we're going to get an independent third party valuator to, to, you know, to value the interest as a doctor, I mean, you could actually risk having it valued worse or lower than a DSO would. And so what you want to do as a doctor is have language in there that says that the valuation has to be commercially reasonable and that it can't take into account any lack of marketability or control, meaning that, you know, the DSO can't say, well, you know, this is a very specialized investment. There's not really a market for this, so we're going to value it lower. Um, and they can't say, well, you don't have a controlling interest. So really your interest isn't worth very much. And so we're going to value it lower. So you want to have some, at least some sort of checks and balances there as an attorney um, in the deal, just to sort of put some, some type of, um, you know, parameters around that fair market value valuation. I, I do valuations for a living. I can tell you it's a very fuzzy world uh, that you would the dentists think there are these rules that everybody's following. It's like a tax return and it's not. Right. So, right. right I wouldn't do this. Right. But, you know, I know some people that would say, hey, I own a DSO. I'm going to value my own DSO to buy Dr. Singh out. And oops, I guess my today my DSO is only worth $10. Shoot, you know, Dr. Singh, here's your $1 for your 10% share in my DSO. Right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm being facetious, obviously, but um, that, that could conceivably happen. Somebody like David would review the operating agreement to be able to tell me whether or not that's possible and then how to protect myself against it. Okay, got it. But this this uh, second option, that's pretty straightforward. Uh, well, it, uh, actually, I, sh- I shouldn't assume. Seems pretty straightforward. I just The DSO just sold the private equity. I own 1% of the DSO. So therefore, whatever check the DSO gets, I get 1% of that check. Is it that simple or is there more to it? It's not that simple. Um, I mean, it can be that simple. Uh, but you really have to review the documents. You know, I mean, we've seen documents from... DSOs that say that <clears throat> if there is a recapitalization event, the doctor can get up to 10x and then anything above that, the DSO can uh, cap it. Yep. It's pretty rare to see it capped, but we've seen it capped. And those DSOs that do that have their rationale and they should be talking to the doctor about it so they don't just, you know, find the surprise. But, um, you know, it can be buried in there. So it's important to review the legal documents. Um, but usually, yeah, it's going to be on a on a on the same basis and same valuation as the DSO sells for. Okay, proportional. Yep. And then this uh, this put option that you said, where the doctor actually comes to the DSO and says, "Hey, I'm out. You know, buy me out." You said it's relatively rare to get. Um, should people be trying to get it? And if yes, you know, what does that conversation sound like? I think the put option is something that um, is usually valid to ask for when the doctor where there's no trigger for the doctor to get repurchased right like there are some dso's it's kind of like we're either going to recap or we're not and then the doctor can just be stuck there um and never get to sell their interest and so if that's the case i think it's it's valid to ask for a put option i mean obviously regardless you would want one i just think the valid argument is where there isn't a repurchase mechanism by the DSO and you're really, it's all or nothing to sell to her. And, and if a recap never happens or if the DSO is very greedy and doesn't want to recap and they just keep going a lot longer than the doctor wants to be doing it, I think a put option is more valid. And I think the put option is even more valid for those that are um, 
later in their career and they're wanting to retire and they're saying, Hey guys, like, I don't want to sit here for 10 years waiting for, you know, a recap at some point I've paid my dues and I want out. So, um, usually a DSO is never going to allow a put option like immediately. Usually it's after the doctors paid their dues. So like once they've done their five year employment, um, they may have a put option and usually it's at a set multiple. Mm-hmm. Um, usually it's around the multiple that they were given to begin with. Yeah. Um, maybe a little bit more. Um, and that's kind of the trade off is okay, doc, if you want to cash out of this thing, you're going to get the multiple that you bought in for basically. So yeah. um, now you'd still get a higher amount probably if the practice appreciated, but multiple wise, it would be the same. A quick vocabulary check recap is short for recapitalization. Check me on this. Correct. That's when the small DSO sells to the private equity group or a bigger DSO. That's the sale of a DSO, correct? Correct. Got it. Okay. And then um, just to re, uh, you know, in my own words, repeat what you said about uh, put option. I'm a 60 year old dentist. I'm selling to a DSO. I've agreed to work for the next five years. And you're saying, hey, you know, at that point, you're going to be 65. You want to have some kind of time limit or some lim- some some mechanism to be able to trigger this this um, membership interest or this stock that you own in the DSO because, you know, you can't wait 30 years. Or even if you can, when you're 95, you don't care as much. So ask for some mechanism to get your interest out in some way. Right. Okay. And if the, if there is a mechanism for repurchase, usually it's triggered by termination of employment. When, yep. the, when employment terminates, the stock is repurchased. And so the doctor doesn't really have to worry about the put option as much. It's really more where they don't have a repurchase mechanism in the deal. I, um, I'm going to ask you my, my last question. I actually have two more questions for you. Question number one is going to be, what did we miss, David? And then number two, I'm going to ask you about um, most common mistakes that I hear you say. And I'll, let me start with number two by saying, when I'm on the phone with or talking to or you know, somebody on Facebook is arguing with me about yeah. DSL stuff, the, the conversation usually is at the steak dinner level, right? It's the, the dentist, the orthodontist who in Kansas who uh, is freaking good at their job, has an amazing rocking practice, is having the steak dinner with the DSO and is being promised giant numbers, right? Like, you know, the multiple first on the first sale and then, oh, yeah, when we sell, we're going to sell the private equity XYZ multiple, your portion of that is going to be, and it's always eye popping, two, five, $10 million. My response back is, hey, just know what you're getting into. And then go talk to some of your friends and see how many people A, sold, and then B, got that second, third, big giant check, whatever it is. Right. Um, in my mind, I'll do the questions in reverse, David. Um, question number two is, in my mind, that's the biggest mistake I see people make is they get too emotionally invested in some big giant number and think that it's a sure thing. Um, would you agree? Or uh, I know that on a tactical level, there's a lot more mistakes, but just on a kind of a macro uh, big picture level, in my mind, that's the biggest mistake. Do you see differently? Do you see anything else as a is equally big or bigger mistake? Yeah. Uh, you know, on that level, I just say to any doctor, anytime you, you have an investment in something, there's risk and you don't know how that's going to work out. And so the future is uncertain. You, you don't know what's going to happen. 
And so you want to take a calculated risk. Um, and so I think that's about, like you said, talking to the DSO and finding out as much information as you can about why they feel the numbers are going to be what they're promising. I think another big mistake is that link between the employment agreement and the stock where, um, you know, if your employment agreement terminates and you sell back the stock, you just need to, you just have to know that that's usually a re repurchase trigger. And some doctors go in thinking, oh, well, I'm just going to own this stock forever if I want to. Uh, and they don't realize that they actually get purchased, repurchased out because the DSO doesn't typically want to continue to do business with a doctor that isn't active in their um, in their network. So I think that is is another mistake that doctors have to focus on. And then also too, just making sure, you know, going back to that repurchase valuation that the valuation is at least at fair market value. Um, of course, if there's a default and, you know, the doctor commits a felony, they're gonna get bought out for lesser than fair market value, typically, sometimes zero. But we have just seen in a, in a document very recently where the DSO was able to um, terminate employment at any time. And then like when employment terminated, the price was going to be like zero. It was crazy. And they, and they actually wouldn't change. Like usually you're like, okay, that's ridiculous. Like they're just trying to, you know, four, four years and 364 days of employment. And then I'm right. going to terminate you on the last day and yeah. I'm gonna wipe out. Yeah. So I got everything out of you. Right. And, and now I don't owe you anything else. And that became a huge sticking point in the deal. So, I mean, those are probably the biggest, biggest mistakes that I'm, I'm seeing a doctor not recognizing. Anything on this topic of equity interest post sale that we haven't talked about that's extremely important for doctors to know? I think we've really touched on the big things, which are um, how you how you get out of the deal, how you transfer your interest. Um, the non-compete, I would say, is just something always for the doctor to keep in mind and, and keep an eye on and, and know that there's going to be a non-compete, not just in your deal documents, but also in your equity documents. And you want to see what that is because it could be broader than is in your regular deal documents. And then it's like, well, what's the point of it being 25 miles in your deal documents if it's 50 in the, in the equity document, then really 50 is your non-compete. So that's just another thing that I would say for the doctors to look out for. Love it. Okay. In our next episode, we're talking about ancillary documentation, right? Snooze fest. Actually, nope, not a snooze fest because <laughs> this is where this is where the secret, the hidden, you know, this is this is kind of what to watch out for. And and some and then right after that, David, our next conversation is the most common question I get from a doctor, which is, is my DSO offer good? And we're gonna give people a framework to kind of think about that. So um, David, thank you for all the information on equity. Uh, this is super important and I uh, really appreciate you being a part of the DSO decision. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to continue.